Hey, good morning, everyone. How we doing? Everybody okay? Good? All right. All right. Just checking. Just checking. I am so excited about this new series we're jumping into today. And um, I think if we were to be really honest this morning, um, the hardest part of faith is trusting God when life doesn't make sense. Can I get an amen? I mean, isn't that true? It's it, When everything's going well in our lives, it's easy to have that faith and to feel good and to feel good about your relationship with God. But when there's a health issue, when we lose our job, when there's a sudden death, all of a sudden it, it can really derail us. And how do we find a faith and a steadfastness to stay close to God even when life doesn't make sense. When life begins to unravel, it's hard to trust God and to understand what is going on. And uh, it's easy to ask the questions, why? Why is this going? Why is this happening to me? Why is this going on? Did I do something wrong? Did, has God forgotten about me? Right? And we've all been through those times. These are raw questions that we'll ask one time or another, especially when we're going through difficult times. And what we're going to see as we go through the Old Testament book of Ruth, we're going to see someone who had to completely trust God when life didn't make sense. And as I was studying the book of Ruth, it's, it's, you can sit down in one setting and just read through the book of Ruth. It's only four chapters. So you're like, Pastor, why are we doing 10 weeks in the book of Ruth? Oh my goodness. How can you pull so much out of there? And um, as I was studying the book of Ruth and kept going through it, I'm like, man, there's more here. There's more here. There's more here. And as you begin to study the book of Ruth, you'll begin to see how this points to Christ. And there's so many things in the book of Ruth that show us Jesus and who he is and his grace for us and how we can trust him even when life doesn't make sense. And so um, the character of Ruth and the person of Ruth is incredible. It's, it's an incredible story of someone trusting God when it made absolutely no sense. And we're going to see how God worked through her life, how God blessed her life. But I want to look at the, the background of Ruth because the background of Ruth is very interesting, especially in the history of Israel at this time. And Ruth lived during a very difficult time. And it's a time called the Judges. And we can't overlook this very important detail. There's, in fact, a book in the Old Testament called the book of Judges, and Ruth is right on the heel of that book. And this was a time of Israel's history when they were very disorganized. Uh, politically, they had no real leader. They're in the promised land that God has promised them, but they really haven't followed the mandates of God. So they're very disorganized. They're really not following God. It was a time of spiritual apathy. It was a time of violence. Um, and the pattern of Israel during this time was very simple. Here is the cycle. Let me just give you a quick overview of the cycle of the book of Judges during the time of when Ruth lived. Basically, they would sin, and then they would abandon God. So they would sin, and then they would abandon God. Then they were subdued, and God would allow other nations to overcome them. And so guess what would happen next? They, that kept them in fear. So when they were in fear, they felt sorry. And then they cried out for God for help. How many of us have done that? We did something wrong, and all of a sudden, then we cry out for God for help, and then, you know, and then we go back to our normal lives, and then something happens, and then we cry out to God again. I mean, we're not really any different from those that lived during this time. 
And so what God would do is they would receive their salvation and God would raise up a judge. A judge was just a leader, a spiritual leader to rescue them and subdue their enemies for a time. But what would happen is they would go back to step one and kind of repeat the process all over again. This happened for almost 200 years, this cycle of turning away from God, then turning back to God, then turning away from God. So it was just, this was the culture, and it was very, very chaotic time. And the interesting thing about Ruth is she was not an Israelite. In fact, uh, her country that she was from was actually considered an enemy of Israel. That's what makes the book of Ruth so intriguing, is that she wasn't an Israelite. In fact, she wasn't even a follower of God when she married into this Israelite family. Ruth, in fact, was introduced to her husband when his family came to Moab because of famine in in the land of Israel. And so I want to read the beginning of the book of Ruth, and let's get an understanding of what happened here and how Ruth meets this Israelite family and how God uses this whole situation that, that seems absurd at the beginning. Like, how is this all going to work out? Have you ever felt that way? Like, God, this is such a tangled mess. This is so dysfunctional. How are you going to work this whole thing? Have you ever felt that way in your life? You're like, how is this thing really going to work out? God, here you go. Whoop, have fun with this one, right? But it's amazing how God works through the faithfulness of someone's life who decides to put their complete faith in God. And here Ruth, we're going to see in this story, she decides to put her full faith and leverage in the God of Israel, and everything changes for her life. So let's read Ruth chapter 1. We're going to look at the first six verses. Once again, we talked about this in the days when the judges ruled Israel. There was a severe famine that came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem, that's real important. Everybody say Bethlehem. Everybody knows where Bethlehem is, right? We're getting ready to celebrate soon Christmas. Who was born in Bethlehem? Everybody's Sunday school answer. Okay, that was kind of weak. Come on, people. All right, so we know Jesus was born in Bethlehem, so this is important. In Judah, and left his home and went to the country of Moab, which was the enemy of, of Israel, taking his wife and his two sons. And his name was Elimelech. And his wife's name was Naomi, and they had two sons, Malon and Killian. Killian is such a cool name for a kid. Somebody named their child Killian because that, that's just a cool first name. And there was Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. So we see them leaving Bethlehem because there was a famine, going to Moab because they found out there was food there. And so what happens here, here's where the tragedy begins. Elimelech dies, and Naomi was left with her two sons, which is okay. She had her two sons to take care of her. And, and their two sons, while they're living in the land of Moab, married Moabite women who weren't Israelites. One woman's name was Orpah. The other woman was named Ruth. And here Ruth enters the story. Here Ruth enters the story, which changes the whole complexity here and the whole future of Israel. This is very, very important. But about 10 years later, both Malon and Killian died. This left Naomi alone with her two sons, without her two sons or her husband. 
And then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah again by giving them good crops. So here she hears, here she is living in Moab. There's a famine. Now she hears again that back in Bethlehem in her homeland, there's food again. There's bread. So Naomi says to her two daughters-in-law, they get ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland where they're going to try to find food. Now, Amen to God's word. Amen to God's word. Now, there's a lot going on here, and it seems hopeless. It just seems like a hopeless situation when, when you look at it at first glance. You have three women who are destitute, and during that culture, that was complete destitution. They had no one to rely on. Naomi, the mother here, is, is left destitute. She, she has nothing. Her sons have passed away. Her husband's not there. And so they, they have no family to rely on. There is nothing there in Moab for her. Now, her two daughter-in-laws, they're from there. So it would be the most realistic or understanding thing to do would be them to go back to their homeland, to their people, and marry, and and just go on with their life, and Naomi would just go back to Bethlehem. So they're all going to separate. But at this point, they're all going to go together. They're together. How many of us know there's always a story within a story? And I want you to see the story within the story of the book of Ruth. There's an incredible story within the story of the book of Ruth. Even though the first chapter of Ruth looks pretty bleak, we will discover that God is still working out his plan. So if we were just to stop in chapter 1, we're like, man, that's, that's pretty devastating. They're all going to go their separate ways and end of story. But there's a story within the story. Naomi and her husband leave Bethlehem, it's interesting, leave Bethlehem to go to Moab to find food because there's a famine in their town. Now, Moab is the country that would be considered the enemy of Israel. Now, what's ironic here is Elimelech leaves Bethlehem, which means house of bread, to go to find bread. There's no bread in the house of bread, Bethlehem. So he leaves there, goes to a neighboring country, an enemy of them, to try to find bread. And this is where his sons find Orpah and Ruth. And it will be in Moab, the land that was traditionally hostile to the Israelites. This is where his sons would find their wives. And so we read that Naomi loses her husband, but she still has her sons. She still has her daughter-in-laws at the time. And tragedy we see strikes again as Naomi loses her two sons with no grandchildren. Absolutely destitute. There is absolutely no hope. And so this is a dire situation. And in fact, verse 6 gives us a little glimpse of hope in this whole story. What Naomi hears is that God had visited his people back in her hometown of Bethlehem. And so now this gives her a little hope. She goes, I can travel back to my hometown, and this is where her relatives would be. And as we begin to further our study in the book of Ruth, we're going to see how God begins to put things together for them. I want you to understand, each step of the way, they have to take a step of faith to trust God. Listen, I wish that I could just tell you, everything's just going to be wonderful for you. Right? I wish I could tell you, yeah, this is what God is doing, and then if you just do this, he's going to do this. How many know that we don't really know what's even going to go on next week as much as what's going to happen tomorrow? 
Amen? Are you, are you listening? How many of you, you, had, you, you are like the, the planning people and you had your five-year plan, you had your 10-year plan, you had it all worked out, and you look back. How did that all work out for you? Can I just say one thing? It didn't. You, you, you didn't know that you were going to be here or whatever, or things were going to... You didn't know. You didn't know. And that's where trusting God each step of the way is so vital. And if we're going to learn anything in the book of Ruth, we're going to learn this. God wants you to trust him each day. Not for next year or five years. It's okay to plan and have a plan. I'm not saying you don't do that. But I want you to understand that our walk with God is a daily walk, a daily trust each and every day because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Does God know? Absolutely. Did God know Ruth's plan? Absolutely. She didn't know, but she was trusting God. Did Naomi know? She didn't know. She was just saying, you know what? I'm going to trust God for this because I'm going to go back to my homeland where I know there's food. So I'm just going to take this step of faith and do this so that at least my life can be spared. And so what we see here is we see this hopelessness at the beginning, but there's this little glimpse of hope that there's bread in Bethlehem. And so what Naomi does is she's going to travel back. And so amid a, uh, amid a horrible situation, God gives this little hope to Naomi. And so Naomi would find no help in Moab because she has no family there. No family there. In Bethlehem, she would find bread. She would find bread. And so God never loses sight of her. Now what we're going to read is, Naomi becomes very bitter, rightly so. And she just feels like her life is lost and, you know, she just has nothing. And so she goes, I'm just going to go back to where my people are. I'm going to go back to where I can find bread. But, but what we're going to see in this story is God never lost sight of her. And I want you to know that God never loses sight of you. No matter how lost you may feel you are, God never loses sight of you. He knows exactly where you are. And he's saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me enough to walk each and every day with me? Do you trust me? God never lost sight of her. So here you have Ruth and Orpah. They're on the road with Naomi, headed back to Bethlehem. And at this point, as they're getting ready to head back, Naomi gives her daughter-in-laws an out. She really, she gives them an out. She goes, don't follow me. Basically, following me, there is nothing for you if you follow me. She tells them, I can't even promise you a good outcome. If you go down this road with me, if you go down this road with me, basically Naomi is saying, you have no prospects. Because you are foreigners that are going to go back into Israel, to Bethlehem. You are foreigners. You're going to be an outcast. You're going to be an outsider. Why why would you want to go back with me? The the most sensible thing is for you to go back to your homeland where you can find husbands again. Basically, she's saying, go back to your homeland and find husbands and and raise a family. There's no prospects with me. don't, Don't hitch your wagon to my life because there's nothing here. There's nothing here. So the question I want to ask you is, what did Ruth do that required a tremendous amount of faith? What did Ruth do that required a tremendous amount of faith? What she did at this point is she trusted the God of Naomi without any certainty. She had complete faith to trust the God of Naomi without any real certainty. 
that her life was going to turn out okay. You see, the town of Bethlehem plays a significant role in the history of the Bible. And here's where I want to just camp out for just a moment. Is Bethlehem is where King David's family is from. So just follow me here. David is washing his sheep in Bethlehem before he is anointed king of Israel. It was there thousand, thousand uh, years later that shepherds were watching their sheep when an angel of the Lord spoke to them about the birth of the Savior. It was in Bethlehem. God provided for us from that place in Bethlehem the Savior of the world, Jesus, who is now the bread of life, who is the bread of life for you and I. The Savior of the world was born in the place called the House of Bread. And the Savior of the world is called the bread of life. Ruth, by trusting God completely, trusting God when it made no sense, when it wasn't practical, when it meant nothing for her, she simply trusted God. So they're at this crossroads, and we're going to see this next week. Orpah is going to make a decision to go back to her gods and her people. Now Ruth has a decision to do the same thing, which is most practical, to do that, which seems more sensible, which seems like it would be a better life for her, she's at a crossroads. Do I go here or do I go here? Do I trust something that I have no idea what my future is? There's absolutely no, no certainty going down this road with Naomi. But she trusted the God of Naomi. And what we see here is by trusting God from Ruth's lineage would come King David. And we're going we're gonna to unwrap this more in the weeks coming. From Ruth would come King David, and from King David's line would come Jesus, 30 generations from Ruth. She didn't know that at the time. She had no idea. At this point, she's blindly trusting the God of Naomi. And so it was in Bethlehem, the house of bread, that God would provide for Ruth and Naomi. And it's at this point they were in utter desperation. Now, I want you to think for just a moment, and we're going to get more into this because I love, next week we're going to get into this, I love how um, Ruth trusts the God of Naomi, completely puts her faith in the God of Naomi without, without any hesitation of knowing, like, What's going to happen in my life? I have no idea, but I'm going to trust you. And God provides for her. And God is going to provide for her and Naomi. I want, I want you just to think for a time that God provided for you. Just think, think of a time when God provided for you, when, when God just met you in a certain way at a certain point of your life. We tend to forget about those times. Um, I love thinking back over the history of, of living word and uh, how good God has been to our church. Um, how God has provided for this church over and over and over again. And if you want to hear some neat miracles, talk to our Ruth, 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 Ruth of Living Word, um, our Ruth Brooks. Um, she's been here a long time, and she'll tell you story after story after story how God provided for us for this land that we're sitting on, how God provided for us to have a church right here in Ontario at this very spot, how God used people to build the original building faithfully 
Um, Andy Sprague, our guitar player over here, is one of the original people, part of this church, helping build the original building. The building in the far north was the, uh, was the two buildings in the far north of, of the campus here were, were original buildings that people built. Um, after work, they would come, and they would faithfully give their time to build the church here. This year, um, we celebrated uh, becoming debt-free. We are a debt-free church God has provided. Can we thank God for that? Yeah, we're a debt-free church. Over and over and over again, God has been faithful to meet our needs through all the different things that we've gone through and all the different struggles. God has been so faithful to meet us here. And I've had the privilege of, uh, of pastoring this church over 22 years and seeing God faithfully move, faithfully meet our needs, trusting him, believing him that God was going to do wonderful things. Um, think about a time in your own personal life where God just met you incredibly. I mean, Kathleen and I were talking about this the other day when we were um, first married and how God just provided for us. When we first went in the ministry in 1990. Yeah, 1990, right? And uh, I was just a youth pastor at a small church. And, you know, we were both driving, you know, old cars. We were driving our Ford Escorts and they were breaking down all the time, you know, and that's what Ford means, fix or repair daily, right? We know that, right? (laughs) Sorry, you Ford people. Okay, I know. I'm sorry, right? Um, And I can remember we just didn't have the money to to get them repaired. And I remember there's people in the church that would say, hey, you know, I'm a mechanic. I'll help you fix that. And I know some of you, you're not going to believe this. I know because you know my mechanical skills, right? You're not going to believe this, but I I would do brake jobs with people. I put a new gas tank on Kathleen's car and, uh, you know, all this stuff that we would do just to, just to save money. But how faithfully people would come alongside us to help us with those things and how God provided groceries. Um, I've shared this story before, but there's this one woman in our first church in Albany. Her name was Sister Perry. And she was an Italian woman, an elderly Italian woman. She was so beautiful. She lived by herself. Her, her husband passed years earlier, and she would faithfully come to church. And um, I remember always seeing Sister Perry before the church. She'd be up front at the altars of the church just praying, calling out my name, calling out our senior pastor's name, calling out the church's name, just praying for our church, that God would continue to move in the life of our church. She was such a faithful woman. And I remember she would come up to me every month and she would shake my hand. And within her, that handshake, she'd always fold neatly a $20 bill and shake my hand and just and put it in my hand. And, and, I, and I knew she didn't have a lot, you know, and, you know, elderly woman, fixed income. And I knew she didn't have a lot. And I, I would tell her every month, I said, Sister Perry, don't, don't worry about me. We're, 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 we're doing fine and, and you don't have to. And, and I remember one time she looked at me and she just scolded me. She goes, Pastor, don't rob my blessing. I want to bless you. And that was a lot to Kathleen. I never forgot that. You know, and I said, Kathleen, we can go to McDonald's after church today. Let's see, we're gonna party the, we're gonna party after church today. You can get a Sunday if you want to this time, right? And um but I never forgot that how faithful God was. And we never went without. There'd be times in our apartment someone would just leave us groceries. Just wanted to bless us. I want you to know 
that even in your darkest times, that when you feel like God isn't there, he is. And I want you to look at the different ways where God provides for you. Think back in your life and give thanks to the times where God has faithfully met you. I know for me it's easy to forget those times and it's so easy to get caught in the moment and think, oh my goodness, how is God going to do this? But I think the reason why we forget those times is we get immersed in where we are right now. And I think by looking back over our lives to see the faithfulness of God, God wants to remind you that he hasn't forgotten about you. And what we're going to see in the book of Ruth is every step of the way, God did something. It may have been small, it may have been large, but God did something to show his faithfulness to Ruth and Naomi. And God wanted them to look to Bethlehem. And by Ruth taking the road to Bethlehem, changed her life. Now, was her life easy? No. Was the struggle hard? Absolutely. But it was in Bethlehem she was going to find bread. And I tell this to people all the time. I don't have all the answers. But I do know one thing. I don't know who said this, but I love it. I'm just one beggar leading another beggar where to find bread. We're all beggars, aren't we? We all have times in our lives that don't make sense. But we do know where to find bread. And God shows us where we can find bread. And it's in Bethlehem. It's in Bethlehem. Let me fast forward to Jesus, the bread of life. John 6.35. Here's what Jesus says to us. I love this. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me, he will never be thirsty. From the house of bread came Jesus, the bread of life, who provides everything we need. Notice what Jesus says there. Jesus says, whoever comes to me, what will he do? He goes, I will provide. I'm going to provide for you. And what this is, is it's a complete dependence on Christ. Ruth had no idea. She had a complete dependency. I mean, she was destitute. She, she, the choice she made would just seem on the outside crazy. But she completely trusted God. And Jesus is this manna that came to earth. He is the fulfillment of the manna that God used to free the Israelites in the, uh, to feed the Israelites in the desert. And we understand through Scripture that without the manna in the desert, the Israelites would have died. So they had to completely depend on, and basically manna just means what is it? They don't even know what, they did, it's nothing they've ever seen before, but it provided for them in the desert when they were in the desert for 40 years. See, the manna reminded Israel that God was with them and would never leave them. And this is what Jesus is saying in John 6. I'm the bread of life. I'm never going to leave you. I'm going to always provide for you. And so for the Israelites, there had to be this complete dependency on God in order to survive. And so Ruth believed that God would provide for her, her and Naomi even when everything around her 
would have told her otherwise. And so she goes on the road to Bethlehem. Living in Moab, she lost everything, yet God did not forget about her. When we're going through hardships, it's easy to think right away, God, you've forgotten about me. And it's easy to get discouraged. And we're going to look at the life of Naomi because she is discouraged. She's not hopeful like Ruth. She's discouraged. She's lost everything. She has no grandkids. She's lost everything. Her hope for inheritance is gone. She has nothing. And so she becomes bitter. And she's like, don't, don't hit your wagon in my life. My life is just bitter. We're going to see this as we get more into the book of Ruth. But Ruth trusts her God regardless of what Naomi says. She trusts her and believes that God is going to meet her and God's going to help them. I like what, like what Alistair Begg says here about the provisions of God. It says, no matter how dark and dramatic the events of life may appear to be, God still cares for his people and works out his purpose. And he often chooses to do so through unlikely people and in quiet ways. Like a Sister Perry. Unassuming people who come into our lives that show us that God will provide. Ruth came in to the life of Naomi to show her God will provide. As you read, I hope you do, as you read through the book of Ruth, that's your homework. As you read through the book of Ruth, I want you to look at it through the lens of how God provided for them every step of the way. And look at how Ruth's faith, look at how her faith encouraged Naomi by not leaving her side. It is a story about Ruth, but it's also a story about Naomi and how God showed that a discouraged person could find ultimate hope in a God who never lost sight of her. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to do something a little bit different. I know normally take communion on the first Sunday of the month. And you're thinking, Pastor, it's the last Sunday. Are you, did you, what happened? Did your orange juice expire this morning? Why are we taking communion today? What's going on? We're not, we're not in the normal thing. No, I purposely did that for this reason. We're going to take communion a little bit different today. And um, um, if, if, you, if you came in and you forgot to get your communion cup, we're gonna, you can get it in just a moment. We'll let you slip to the, to the back and grab it because I want to make sure that we, we take communion today. But here's what we're going to do today. You're going to take communion at your seats. I'm not going to lead you today, but what we're just going to do is we're going to play some soft music in the background. We're going to have some scriptures that will be playing uh, on, uh, about communion that you can read. But it's just going to be about four minutes long. But at that time, I want you just to take communion during that time. And here's what I want you to do. As we take communion, what communion, the purpose for taking communion is we're remembering Jesus and what he provided for us. We're remembering his body that was given for us, that he is the bread of life, that he gave everything for us to provide for us our salvation. His blood that was shed covers our sin. He provided He provided salvation for us through his precious blood. So as we do this, we're remembering. We're remembering Jesus' sacrifice and how he has provided for us. So I just want this to be a moment between you and, and Jesus today 
of how he provides for you. And whatever you may be going through today, maybe you're going through a difficult time, maybe you're going through kind of a hopeless time in your life, maybe you're just discouraged today, I want to remind you that God has not forgotten about you, that his word is true, that nothing can separate us from his love, which is in Christ Jesus. And I want you to trust Jesus, even through your pain, even through your discouragement. I want you to realize that he has provided for you. And he will satisfy your hunger and he will satisfy your thirst when you completely put your dependency on him. He is faithful to do that. So as we take communion today, as you take that at your seats, um, just look to Christ to be your provider today. Look to him for your help. And as you take communion, just remind yourself, thank you, Jesus, for your body, which is represented in the wafer. And thank you for your blood that covers my sin, that gives me eternal life, that gives me a joy and a purpose and a hope for the future, that this world isn't all that there is. Amen? That we have something far greater waiting for us in heaven that Jesus has already prepared for us. So just make this a a time of just you and the Lord and giving those needs to him and allowing your hope to be placed in the one who provided everything for you. So I'm going to pray. And after I pray, the music will start, the scripture will go up on the screens and just just take communion on your own. And then the worship team will come up and we'll close in a, a beautiful song, a beautiful hymn of the church. So, Father God, I want to thank you for, for your word today. And I, I just pray for anyone here today that is just um, maybe struggling, maybe has just lost some hope today. And I pray today as they sit in your presence that you would renew that sense of hope that you are providing for them. Help us to look at those times, Lord, that you provided over and over and over again. And may that encourage us that you have not forgotten about us. So we honor you as we take communion and we remember your beautiful sacrifice that you provided for us. Jesus, you gave us everything, everything we need for life. Thank you for your goodness. And it's in your name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. God bless you.